Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You gotta check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This UV lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good-looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head-to-toe suit, and Anthony Smith came right up to me, and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told them the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do. And Tacovas has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday. And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Well, guys, I've been talking about this fight for months now, and finally, Adesanya versus Piera is here. Coming up on today's program, I want to break down the fight from all the angles, and I'm also going to give you my official prediction. Plus, I'll take a look at Poirier versus Chandler and what's at stake for this massive lightweight fight. But before we get to all that, let's begin here. 
Jake Paul versus Andrew Tate, guys. What do you think? I mean, where do you go with that? I, I really want to hear from you. Like, is that thumbs up? Let's do it on a scale of 1 to 10. If you leave me comments, let's do it on a scale of 1 to 10. 10 means yes, absolutely can't wait to see the fight. Where are you? And it's very interesting what we like, isn't it? And we know that about ourselves. We know how important timing is. Mike Tyson versus Evander Holyfield, just for a simple example, but we counted down the days. Oh my goodness, we couldn't wait. This took over the media. This took over the news. If you're a fight fan, you could barely sleep that entire week. But if we were to put Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield in there right now, you likely wouldn't even watch it. Simple example. Just to prove how important timing is. And Jake's in an interesting spot. Jake has proven how good he is. That's a bit of a problem. A lot of this experiment with Jake in terms of getting the attraction is to watch him get beat. And that's becoming slimmer and slimmer pickings. The, the same guys that you wanted to fight, see fight Jake. The same ones you thought you could sell out Madison Square Garden. All of a sudden, you're not quite as interested. You're not quite as interested because you're not quite as sure that they can beat Jake. So it's just one of these spots. Then you have a really massive fight. A really big deal fight that people would want to see. It can be very helpful to slip those in on a card in a co-spot. There's some fights that are co-main events. The night that Roy Jones fought Mike Tyson, they did 1.7 million. Now, there was a lot of reasons why 1.7 million buys. In the world of pay-per-view, pay-per-view model is not what you know is the pay-per-view model. But even the pay-per-view model that you did know, if you could do a million... You could walk into the room with fellow producers and hold your head really high. 1.7 is just a monster number. But there was a lot of reasons and a lot of things that went into that. And it wasn't just the comeback of Mike Tyson. It wasn't people were yearning to see Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones. It might have had very little to do with Roy Jones. There was definitely something special about Tyson returning for sure. And then there was rumors that, you know, he's going to get this one out of the way. He's going to get back in there with Evander. That's before, what you know, what... what we learned where Van, Evander's physical prowess was at. I'm just sharing with you, it was, it was a little bit of a different time, but I've never been sold that it was Mike versus Roy. I've never been sold on that. I think that Jake Paul versus the slam dunk champion was very meaningful. And I'll tell you, for me, it was. Had nothing to do with fighting. Had nothing to do with pugilism. There was something there. There was something interesting about these two good athletes and celebrities willing to risk public humiliation in a non-feature match. I believe Frank Mir, in fact, even fought after Jake Paul did that night. And when I tell you it wasn't a feature match, not only was it not a main, I'm off of my memory, but he wasn't even a co-main. I think it was very helpful. I think other people agree with me. They're not sure who to sign that 1.7 to. There's a reason Roy hasn't been back. There's a reason Mike hasn't been back. So somebody in a decision-making and an analytics role isn't sure that they're the ones that drew that. I'm just sharing with you, there are some fights. As great as they are, they're a supporting act. Now, Paul versus Tate, that's the fight. A number of months ago, that was the fight, for sure. Very interesting. Tate did not need that fight. Tate had a lot of things going on. 
somewhere in between Tate, they call it getting canceled. They, they, they stopped him on social media, like from YouTube and TikTok. They, they call it getting canceled. But I see him out there a lot. I saw him on Piers Morgan just by example. I checked the number the 6.1 million. I mean, he's still getting his message out, but perhaps this kind of an opportunity is now more intriguing to him. Now, when you have Jake, he is telling us that he wants to be a boxer. But he's going to go and fight a former kickboxer. It's awesome. It's entertaining. It's exciting. But it's hard to serve that, hey, I want to be a boxer when I'm going and doing this, right? I mean, I'm not giving this a hard time. I'm really not. I'm trying to think out loud. And I'm trying to share with you guys. I don't know of a more appropriate match. I don't know of one. It's very interesting and there's a lot to risk. It's also not the same thing as it was when Andrew Tate first called for this. Andrew Tate went on social media, look cool, he's got the glasses, he's doing the whole bit, he's got the Bugatti in the background. He offered $3 million, if I remember correctly. Offered Paul $3 million. Hey, I'm not as rich as you, I can't do it, but I'll give you $3 million if you beat me. Not to fight me, if you beat me. Andrew Tate was very sincere in his aggravation with Paul. And what it was at that time was, you're making a mockery of a sport that I love. You're taking opportunity and placement and headlines from guys that are in the gym and sacrificing, and you don't deserve it. Tate has actually come back and said, I had that wrong. You're not making a mockery. You're damn good. I will still fight you, and I can still beat you. But I won't tease you, and I won't put you down. I'm changing some of the words, but this was Tate's message. And I thought that might have wrapped it up. And Tate, being a four-time champion, he's in great shape. He still spars. He trains all the time, right? It's one of these things where you would think on paper, and you'd be right to think so, Tate will beat him badly. You would be right to think that, which at one point would encourage you to want to see it more. Now we're confronted with the fact Jake's not going away so easy, not for anybody. Not for a four-time world champion, not for anybody. It's one of these situations. And Jake has his ego too. The boxing community is resisting him at every turn. And this is the same community that screwed him. This is the same community that gives him terrible advice, set him up for failure, signed a contract with not one but two of their own, and they both pulled out. At some point, he's got to let that community know, I'm not doing it your way. I'm not listening to you. I'm going to take the feature bouts. I'm going to take your spot on SportsCenter. I'm going to sell out an arena. But I'm going to show a respect to my business before I show it to your sport. At some point, every conversation between every, two men, when you just don't get it right, and at some point it comes down to F you. Right there. That's, that's where we're going to end this. F you, F I mean, that's the way that it goes. Is Jake at that point? Is he pissed off? Is he fed up? I would not blame him. He needs to be damn sure that he has somebody that's going to make that walk. It's a tough spot from a business perspective. I can't imagine what Ramen Jr. and and Fury, I can't even imagine doing that to another guy, no matter how much I didn't like the other guy. You come after a guy, it's one thing. You try to be a better pugilist, it's another thing. You take a guy's livelihood, you're talking about, this is a whole other game. I could not imagine a green, have somebody go to work and pulling the rug out like those guys did. Now, I wouldn't imagine Tate would do that. I would imagine that we've got a fight on our hands. I would imagine this is very interesting. I would imagine the build up in the back and forth is going to be something special. 
I would just encourage people involved to be open. Be very open. People that promote cards and put them on don't put themselves in co-main event spots. They just, it doesn't happen. But every now and then you have a fight that is a wonderful fight that's a really big attraction. And the placement, who goes on the card and when and where, I mean, these things all have to be uh, looked at. I was very surprised to see Paul and Tate come face to face. I was very surprised. I was very surprised that, 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 that Tate was in America and agreed to do this and did the face-off. They're telling us something isn't done. I'll also tell you I was surprised because it was Logan who two weeks ago went on a massive platform and aired his grievance with Andrew Tate. It was Logan that wanted that match. So there's a few moving parts here. I'm not ready to tell you these guys are going to fight. I'm not ready to announce that. I'm just not certain with the way that this was done that that's precisely what this means, but I think that it's looking in that direction. And I, I just think that that spills into more interesting talk. We were convinced. We told ourselves and we told everybody else that Nate Diaz is getting out of his UFC contract because he's going to go and fight Paul. We're told that Francis is going to go make up a sport and do it with Tyson Fury, who just came out of retirement and signed to fight somebody else. I mean, I'm just sharing for you. we got to be careful with what we think we know. What's that old expression? You, when you assume, you make an ass out of you and me, but there's a lot of truth to it. And we do get these wrong a lot. And I think that it's an interesting matchup. And I think the timing for this is a little bit different now than it once was. I don't have a better idea. And not everything the day that you sign it or the day you make an announcement is done. Drop it in your lap, just set the date. It's not like that. Sometimes you got to work for it. Sometimes you got to bring in the bells and whistles. You've got to tell the story. I think if anybody can do it, it's these two. But I'm not convinced that we have a fight announcement. I'm not convinced that Jake Paul's going to box Andrew Tate. Pressure is a word that we can't seem to do without in sport. It's just got to be here. But the sports guy that loves to use the word never tells you why it matters. Now, the truth is, he doesn't tell you because the leading sports guys that you turn to and listen to didn't do it. They don't. They simply don't know. It was just a word that was thrown out. But it is real and it lives. It has withstood time and that word pressure is still here. I, I do want to explain it to you real briefly. The reason it matters when you're looking at intangibles to identify which athlete has the most pressure. And that's really what we're talking about, right? We're not talking about pressure. Both of them have that. We're talking about the most pressure. The reason that it is a relevant thing is pressure will create a fatigue. It will create a stress that leads to a fatigue, which leads to exhaustion, which when you're in a sport where you must stay calm, you'll hear people say that all the time. Calm is the adverse to pressure, but much like pressure, the person that's telling you it doesn't tell you why it's important to stay calm. The reason you stay calm is to preserve energy for no other reason. It's not because you think clear, like some people like to say. It's not because your reactions are better or faster or your shots and attacks are more powerful. If you can stay calm, you can preserve energy. All sports have an element where energy is very important. Perhaps none where the lack of energy can be more detrimental than that of combat. All right.
But now that we've explained that, I cannot put myself in Izzy Adesanya's shoes and think of a time where he's ever had more pressure. I just can't. I mean, he was a skinny kickboxer that was running his mouth and was getting asked to do some really hard jobs early on. There's a lot of pressure that comes with that. But now the blueprint's out with this skinny kickboxer with the big mouth. The blueprint is just go take him down. That's it. Well, pretty soon he gets up off the bottom. All right, but the blueprint still exists. If he gets up off the bottom, you just have to take him down another time than you were planning to. Still go take him down. Well, pretty soon he doesn't come off his feet. And then when he does, he scrambles. You can't keep him down. Oh, and by the way, if you do it right in the center of the octagon where he can't use the cage, he'll go ahead and throw up a submission on you. It turns out this skinny kickboxer with a big mouth went and figured out how to fight. But you still have an answer for guys like this. You just get them deep. You drag them into the deep waters. Another annoying colloquialism that exists within our sport. Get them into the deep waters. A stupid expression to mean get him tired and he can't hold up. But not only can Izzy go five rounds, if I was to challenge you, to show me a single time that he's gone five rounds. Oh, and by the way, he lost the fifth. His gas tank was empty and he lost the fifth round. I don't think you could do it. I don't think you could do it a single time. So you you, you start to then see, okay, look, we're going to put him in Australia. Oh, and by the way, it's going to be the biggest event ever. Biggest live attendance event ever. Just south of 57,000 live people. That's going to get him. And instead, he dances with some high school buddies or childhood buddies on the way to the ring, not even focused on the task at hand. When the task at hand rolls around and he decides to put a little bit of effort into that, seven and a half minutes later, he's leaving with a belt over both shoulders. How do you get to this guy? Okay. We can't get to him in the ring. He's too good. He's beaten everybody and he started to do it a second time. So we're going to do it personally. We're going to say, we're going to make him feel bad. That's what we're going to do. We're going to get him out of his game. We're going to have him go out there and do something that he's not comfortable with doing because we're going to take to social media. And we're going to take to the headlines and the articles on the dot-com that runs this industry. And we're going to talk about he's boring to watch. Now, we're not going to say he's boring to watch on the ground, right? We're going to say he's boring to watch on his feet because that's what he comes from. And that's what he's most comfortable with. And that's where he's most dangerous. So we're going to try to play this psychological game to get him to go to the ground as a way of showing us he can do that too. Because we think that's exciting. That's how we're going to beat him. But he goes out there. He stays calm. He touches you. He doesn't let you touch him. He lets the clock go down. He turns to the judges if he needs to, and he doesn't get rattled, and he doesn't say sorry later. Damn it, we can't beat this guy. What are we going to do? Well, even though we hate seeing him on his feet, that's what we've tweeted out. That's what we've written. That's that's the narrative that we built within the sport. We're going to put him in there with somebody who's going to do just that and stay on his feet. Oh, by the way, turns out this guy's pretty good here. So even though... We psychologically have been telling Adesanya we don't like how he looks on his feet. We're begging to him to keep it here. Please, please keep it here. I realized a week ago I said, I don't want to see you on your feet. But please, in this one, go back to your feet. And things just start to become really weird. Now, Adesanya has gone as far as to say, I don't care about the belt. That was misunderstood. He said those words, but you weren't listening to the context. What he was talking about is, I don't care if there's a championship on the line. I don't care if this was a non-title match. 
I want him. I don't care if it's three rounds. I don't care if it's five rounds. Any way you want to do it, but bring me him one-on-one and let me set the record book straight. If that is true, if Izzy is that good at dealing with these situations that he's manufactured almost a different scenario to what he's really going up against. Madison Square Garden, pay-per-view, main event, greatest nemesis ever. If he has manufactured something else, then you have a genius who's letting us in on one of his secrets. Don't miss it. I am going to learn a lot personally about Adesanya. I could not believe, I can't put it into words to to, to the point that I almost was in denial The night in Australia, opposite Robert Whitaker, Intram versus Undisputed, 57,000 live, and he did a choreographed dance to the octagon. I, I truly couldn't believe this. It went against everything that I've ever been told as an athlete about you must focus. About when the time to let the entertainment go and buckling down comes around. And I also saw an athlete go out there and do his best work. So it matters what drum you beat to, very much. It does, some guys, it's paralysis by analysis, and the more they lock in and the more they focus, the more that they freeze up, but other guys stay loose. But finding a balance in between those, even if you identify which one you are, finding that balance is very difficult to do. Adesanya is as close to a perfect competitor as I have seen in my life. Adesanya, as a competitor, is Jordan Burrow-esque. It's Simone Bile-esque. Where whatever the circumstance, I will find a way. If I have never been here before, if this deck is stacked against me, if you bring in a guy and you give him an opportunity who doesn't deserve one and he's somebody from my past, I will deal with him anyway. Five rounds, three rounds, but I am personally very curious how he comes to that octagon. And that might sound simple to you, but it's not. Randy Couture was one of the first athletes to be very big into the psychological side. Randy Couture would say, this sport is 80% mental and it's 20% physical, but we'll spend 80% of our time on the physical and only 20% on the mental. And Randy would do visualization. Now, right now, in today's world, yes, you hear of that all the time and you expect everybody to do it. I'm sharing with you, in our sport, when he started doing it, he started uh, perfecting it and he started speaking about it openly. It hadn't been done before. But Randy also had a switch. He wanted to enjoy the audience. He wanted to enjoy the way and he wanted to enjoy the press conference. He wanted to enjoy the night of. All of these things, all of these wonderful things, he wanted to enjoy and most fighters can't. So Randy switch would be when he opens his eyes after the Vaseline is put on him. So he gets to enjoy the walkout. He gets to hear that crowd. He gets to look around at all these supporters. He gets to be in that moment. He closes his eyes. They put the Vaseline. When he reopens his eyes, boom, that's when he's someone else. That's where he switched. And and I'm only sharing that for you. It doesn't matter at what point your athlete focuses. We hear that word all the time. We hear you must concentrate. We hear you must be serious. Those things are true to an extent, but at what point? I mean, did I I have to start that yesterday? Did I have to start that last week? Did I have to start that when I was nine years old? I didn't get to live life. I just had to be this character trying to beat the other guy. It's a very relevant question. I knew what Randy's secret was, and I saw how he could go out there and become somebody different. 
And I feel as though I'm seeing the same thing with Adesanya. But the real greats get comfortable with it. The real greats can identify. What did I eat today? How much did I sleep last night? Who did I talk to? What songs did I listen to? How did I warm up? For how many months was I in the arena? At what point do I wrap my hands? The real greats will identify it so that they can go and duplicate it. I'm curious, as simple as it sounds, I'm curious in the walkout of Adesanya. I I am very into and intrigued by the psychological approach of Adesanya, even more so than the moves. I've never seen anybody that can move like him or start dancing midway through a fight. I have never seen that, but I've also never seen anybody that can deal with things and as many different things as Adesanya. But there is still a question. Just because I see it, just because I observe it, just because I'm impressed by it, does he know that? Is he going to try something different? All of these things are a tell, but all of these things are interesting and relevant to the performance. UFC 281 is live from New York this Saturday. Get closer to the octagon with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on UFC 281 and get $200 in free bets if your fighter wins. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped up parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a parlay today with three or more picks and combine multiple bets like which fighter will win, total rounds, and more. I gotta tell you guys, I'm giving a good look at Adesanya and I know a lot of people think there's gonna be an upset but I think there's something to be said for experience. I like Adesanya and you wanna hear this? And I like Chandler. And if I put those two together, the payout is more than four times as big if I had kept them separate. With even bigger payouts, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the UFC. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code CHAIL. Throw down $5 on UFC 281 and get $200 in free bets if your fighter wins. That's code CHAIL. This Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Izzy Adesanya. Guys, if you're studying a fighter, right, you have to pay close attention to him. And I'm talking about as an all-time great. You have to pay attention to Adesanya. You know what's hard, though? I want to really caution you. You're probably not going to be able to do his techniques. We had a guy like this when I was growing up, John Smith. John Smith was the best, but he was also an all-time great. He revolutionized the sport of wrestling. I have never, and I've been following wrestling forever, known anyone to be as innovative, truly changing our sport, quite like John Smith. And I'd never been hurt. Oh, I was so lucky. I mean, I really, what's that expression, knock on wood? I've never dealt with an injury, guy. little pain here or there, but not an injury. Not something that forced me to stop. John Smith had this flexibility, and I had a number of coaches. I'd go in and I'd try to look like John Smith. Now, the whole country's doing that. Everybody's doing what I'm doing, trying to mimic this guy. But I would have coaches warn me. They'd say, look, you don't have his flexibility. 
I see what you're trying to do. I see you're trying to get under the ankle. I see you're coming to two knees on a high crotch. I see you're grabbing the elbow. You don't have his flexibility. You've got to watch his stuff, and then you have to still wrestle your match. Now, I was 11 years old. I'm watching this guy. I'm going to know more than the coaches. I'm going to go get John Smith's flexibility. And there was a still photo. Like, it was hard to get video back then. I mean, you guys remember, this This is the 80s. It was hard. So a lot of me watching John Smith was me, me watching still photos. There's this warm-up shot right before he goes out for the gold medal match. He's in the back. He's covered in sweat. His warm-up's done, and he's sitting. Now he's on both knees. Try to picture this, though, guys. Try to picture this. He's on both knees, but his butt is touching the, the mat. Try to picture that, because think of the level of flexibility that you would need. If I drop down to both knees right now, my butt is off the mat. I think that you could relate. But he turned both of his ankles out. His butt could hit the mat. It was just this flexibility, but this was a classic John Smith shot. I go and do it one time. I have never been hurt. I have never been hurt wrestling five and six matches every single weekend. I had to have surgery on both knees. And all I did, I was alone in my garage. I did a warm-up. I got the sweat just like John Smith. I dropped down to this position that was a still photo. I tear cartilage in both of my knees. So you got to be real careful when you're copying guys, and you can't be frustrated. That frustrated me. If I can't wrestle like him and he's the greatest and I can't be the greatest, right? You, sometimes you do this math. You're not going to be able to copy Adesanya. Adesanya has a rhythm. He will dance partway through a match. I mean, there's just things. There's a rhythm that he has. There is a length that, they, that he has. There's a skill set that he has. You've heard of bob and weave? Bob and weave's a very real thing. It's called head movement. You bob this way. You weave this way. Adesanya can do something called the pole. It's very rare for a male to have the flexibility in his back, okay? Male gymnasts and female gymnasts do not do, they do not compete on all of the same apparatuses. Well, it has to do with the flexibility. That's very common for females and very uncommon for males. Adesanya has it. So he can do what's called the pull. He doesn't have to bob and weave only, duck only. He can also pull back. Anderson Silva had that. Roy Jones has that. Mayweather has it. It's very rare. I share this with you because when I want you to copy him, when I want you to study him, I don't want a young fighter to then think that they have to be able to do Adesanya techniques. There's a uniqueness to this. But there is also an art of war. There is an art of war. I brought... Talking brash. People called it trash talk. I don't like that term, but talking brash. I brought that to our sport, in all fairness. But I was greatly misunderstood as to why I did it. I've heard people try to categorize it for me and say he did that to get into his opponent's head. There's a little element of that, for sure. But I will explain to you the art of war, and that is only done with words. Right? The best general never fires a shot. The best general can align his troops and back the other side down. I've asked you guys this analogy for the last six years. Think of high school and think of the toughest dude in your high school was. And you all know that answer with no hesitation. But if I went a step further and asked who you saw that guy fight and beat, you would then be stuck. And you would turn it back on me and you say, Chael, nobody fought him. Aren't you listening? He was the baddest dude in the whole school and everybody knew it. I agree. I agree, but he was a general that however, whatever he had to do to align his troops, he never had to fire a shot. Adesanya goes on, aerial show, okay? 
Adesanya has proclaimed that he knows something that Piera doesn't. And it is that secret that is going to be the difference in this contest. It is for that secret that he knows. Within that secret is why he has a confidence. When you're following the art of war, you must make your enemy believe that you have a weapon that they cannot defend against and you must convince that enemy that you're willing to use it. That's another key part that people don't have. I've got 50 nuclear weapons. Okay, but are you going to use it? That would be a terrible thing. It's very hard to imagine that we would be equitable for whatever I did to upset you to the point that we're fighting. Would that be equitable to drop a nuke and destroy everything? I don't think you're going to use it. And therefore, I'm going to move on with how you got to you got to have the weapon and you got to make them believe that you're willing to use it it's very important so Adesanya goes on Errol's show today and he said that he knows something that Piera doesn't know I am I my palms are sweating when he said I want to know what it is what does he know what could he possibly know that's why he has confidence because he has a piece of knowledge how does he know Piera doesn't know it I've never seen a fighter go out and bright. They talk about experience. They talk about their training. They talk about their coaching. They talk about, I was born to do this and this is it. This is what they talk about. They talk about the speed of their jab, the combination, the way that they go to the body. They talk about all sorts of things. They have never proclaimed that they know something. I know, so not about I've ran five miles a day, not about my diet and nutrition and I've been eating plenty of spinach and getting extra sleep, all the things I'm fine. No, no, Adesanya, he knows something. He knows something Piera doesn't. Guys, this is a genius at work. I mean, it, but this, this truly is. Adesanya will entertain you on the way to the ring. He'll entertain you in the ring and he'll entertain you before he leaves. Nobody does all three. If you do two of them, you're way ahead of the curve. You can be a main eventer. You can be a top draw only having one. One of those things. There isn't a fourth thing, by the way. There isn't a fifth thing. By the way, there's only those three. Before the ring, in the ring, on your way out of the ring. That's it. That's it. It doesn't matter if you look cool dropping your kids off for school. It doesn't matter what you ate the night before. It doesn't matter whether you pray before bed or you don't. It has nothing to do with it. The fans are going to see three things. Before the ring, in the ring, on your way out of the ring. That's it. Adesanya. Check, check, check. And now, and now, he knows something his opponent doesn't know. And that is going to be the difference, guys. I mean, (laughs) come on. I must. I'm, uh, I must give him his due on this. What possibly could that be? And how would you know that he doesn't know it? No, 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 no. The best general never fires a shot. He makes you believe he has a weapon and he makes you believe that he's willing to use it. You guys know how the West was won. I mean, you know that story about that. People come out West. You got all sorts of land. It's just sitting there empty. There's no enterprise. There's no residential. There's no commercial. There's no businesses of any kind. Now you you get the bodies. What do you do? Somebody's got to own that land or we got to take care of it. That's the way the government looked at it. 
So you get all these boys together, they're on horseback, and they tell him, go. They all, they, you gotta wait till the guy says go, but the sheriff says go, you ride out as far as you want, and when you get to where you want to be, you put your stake in the ground, it's called a claim. Are you aware of that? True story. Didn't pay a goddamn penny for it. It's yours now to take care of, but it's also yours to crop, and to farm, and to develop, and to someday sell. Do you ever play video games? 7-Eleven? Specifically 7-Eleven. You got, remember they used to have two video games. Every 7-Eleven, they had Frogger. Remember that terrible game? And they had Super Mario Brothers, which came in and replaced Asteroids. All right, good enough. But if you want to play Super Mario, if you want your shot to get the princess, you don't just stand there behind the doofus with the big gulp whose belly is resting on the controller. You have to put your quarters up top. That's how you say that you're next. Then you get some smart jerk that puts like four quarters up there and he takes it up for the whole rest of the day. But do you remember this? Did you adhere to those rules? Did you try to push anybody out of the way when you thought it was your turn, but they reached up and they had their quarter and you go, doggone it. Forgot about that, right? We all understood it. There's something important about taking your claim. Watching Michael Chandler at press day was the thing of beauty. Michael Chandler went as far as to say, I'm going to take the title opportunity from Volkanovsky. He then began to pull apart the fight of Volkanovsky versus Islam. Chandler's calling that a super fight. He got to that definition, I believe, because it's two guys from two different weight classes that are both champions you have a super fight. I agree with him. I think of it as a super fight too. And he's saying that Islam should have to beat guys within the division before he goes and he has super fights. And you know what? That's not a terrible point. I don't know of anybody that's ever had a super fight that one wasn't a champion or moreover hadn't defended that championship. Like Chandler is not without historical foundation to make that statement. He's not going to interrupt the fight. I'm just saying he's also not going to look like a fool by saying it. And he's now made his claim. If Chandler beats Poirier, Okay, Chandler beats Poirier, and Volkanovski calls up, and that hand injury, and it's re-hurt, and he can't meet you in Perth, and this whole thing's off. Who do you think it goes to next? I'll listen to you. I, I understand there's a few that are going to say Benny, and all of a sudden, some other ones say, well, Benny's going to fight Charles, but if I really hold you to that, you're not going to make the decision at all. You're going to default to whoever made the claim. Same as any other job you ever, ever hire for. You don't open up a job position, get the resumes in and think, you know what, I went to girl, I went to school with this girl named Sarah. God, I haven't talked to her in seven years. She'd be great for this. No, you don't do that. You go to the stack of people that have turned in a resume and said that they want to have the job. Michael Chandler has made a claim. I like it a lot. I do not think you should sidestep for anybody. Michael Chandler is about to fight a former world champion. If you beat a world champion, you get to fight for a world championship. Everybody knows that. He's doing it in a feature bout in the media capital of the world and at Madison Square Garden. He had a media opportunity. He took his shot. And you know what? It was a home run. It wasn't a grand slam, but it was a home run. He is the only one that has made the claim. He's saying, if I beat Pori, I should have that opportunity. Fights fall apart all the time. There is no guarantee of Volkanovsky in Islam. Just by example, I'm telling you what you already know. But why is nobody else positioning? 
I see this mistake made over and over. I can just move up a weight class to 170 pounds. Everybody has stepped aside. So Kumar Usman can go and fight Leon. They think it's going to be next year. They think it's going to be around April. They think it's going to be in England. And they've, they've all just accepted that. I can move up to the heavyweight division where we only have two guys in the top 10 that are in their 20s. You've got a whole row of dinosaurs and three of them apparently get a play by themselves and do a round robin whenever it's convenient for them. However, that all works out. One guy that was carried out of his last fight, another guy who's never competed in the division, and another guy who doesn't want to be there and apparently has an injury. I mean, these are the three guys, and you're they're just let them go play by themselves. You have John Jones, who was the youngest UFC champion of all time. What an incredible claim. If there's any part of my body language or tone that sounds like I'm putting him down, no, of course I'm not. The youngest UFC champion ever. What an amazing thing. John Jones is now the oldest number one contender in the UFC. You cannot correct me on that. It was TJ Dillashaw. As of two weeks ago, John was not. TJ Dillashaw had his opportunity. The oldest number one contender that we've already been told will be fighting for a belt in the entire organization, any weight class, any gender, any way you want to do it, is now John Jones, who sat out for three years. But nobody else is making that claim. John and Stipe and Fran, they're over here. Nobody's making that claim. Okay, let's just back it on down. We're seeing at 205 pounds the most resisted rematch I've personally ever witnessed. Because nobody else made the claim. There was nobody else there. You go down to 170 pounds. If something bad was to happen, and it's not just to Kamara Usman, it's also to Leon. You have interim championships, things that have been tested. We don't have anybody that's trying to insert themselves there. They've all stood back. They think it makes sense. Let's show a level of respect to Kamara Usman. He was the greatest to have done it. He was one in the fight. He got caught. Let's be real fair and let's give it to Kamara Usman. I can appreciate that. But what if? And what if happens all the time? Now you come down to 55. You have one guy who stepped forward who says it should be me. And doesn't want it handed to him, by the way. He doesn't want you to give it to him. He wants to go out and earn it. On Saturday, over a former world champion. Where is the flaw within this logic? Where's the flaw in the argument? Do you disagree with what I'm saying? If Volkanovski can't show up and Chandler gets a win, do you not think that it should be Chandler? Do you think that we got to go back and forth and we got to talk to Benny and we got to see what Charles is doing? Maybe you do. But do you think that's going to hold up? Do you think when they grab a megaphone and they start screaming that Chandler's going to come in second in that contest? He made the claim. He's got his quarter on the machine. He rode horseback and he put his stake in the ground. There's something very important to do. What is the longest lasting truck on the road? Who is the greatest boxer of all time? What is America's most selling hamburger? You can answer all those questions, but you've never proven any of them. Muhammad Ali is the greatest boxer of all time. That is the answer to the question. Because Muhammad Ali said he was the greatest boxer of all time. And more importantly, he's the first to have said it. That is why that holds up. 
I don't know that Chevy's got more miles than Ford. I know it doesn't beat Nissan or Toyota, but I know what the commercial says. It's the longest lasting truck on the road. You got to make the claim, guys. You have to start with the claim. Your enemies will then come in and pick it apart. Chandler's made the claim. Where are the enemies? Who's going to pick it apart? They didn't stick up for themselves. They didn't stick up for them damn self. They're not going to get in his way. And what are they going to do? It over social media? He's in Madison Square Garden. He's in the media mecca of the world. He's taking his shot. He's standing down to nobody. He's saying, this is the fight. This is the one. We will find out when we come out of this who the number one contender is. Two thousand. 2008, 2022, when it comes to the economy, those are some of the scary years. Dot-com crash, housing crash, and the roller coaster we're going through right now. One thing is certain, it's a dangerous time to not know your numbers. But over 31,000 businesses have the confidence and clarity they need because they rely on NetSuite by Oracle, the number one cloud financial system. Guys, I've lived through the tough times. They were rough. I can't recommend NetSuite enough to help you business leaders and owners prepare for the unknown. NetSuite gives you visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, and budgeting so you can manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need all in one place. So, how do you prepare for uncertain times? The answer, NetSuite. NetSuite helps you identify rising costs, automate your business processes, and easily see where to save money. That's why 93% of customers say they improved their visibility and control when they upgraded to NetSuite. What are you waiting for? Right now, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind special financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash chael. Do it right now. NetSuite.com slash Chael. That's NetSuite.com slash Chael. is on display, guys. I mean, let me just tell you how important this match is with Chandler versus Poor. Okay, let me tell you the importance, not share my opinion. Let me tell you what can't be argued. The night they booked Madison Square Garden and decided we must reveal this to the audience. There's a formula over there at the UFC. How many days, how many weeks, I mean, real specific down to the minute that they will release information as it pertains to when the event is going to be uh, held as it pertains to what's called an on-sale, meaning you can line up and get tickets to the event. It's very, very precise. And the day that came out, they knew that they had the Women's World Championship. They knew that that was going to be up for grabs. That's not the match that they attached to the card. They did not know at the time they did it that they were going to have Adesanya and Pierre. They were working on that. They knew the strawweight title would be up for grabs. They did not attach that. They did not announce it. They announced Poirier versus Chandler. There was even a rumor, hey, listen, If we end up getting the middleweight fight done, we're still going to keep Poirier and Chandler as a five-round contest. Now, that is a rumor that is largely perpetuated by me. I'm just sharing with you guys, that was said. 
and I went back and confirmed that in front of you. I typed that in in front of you three days ago into a Google search, and the first item that came up said it's three rounds, but the second item said it's five. So that's not a rumor that I made up. We then went to Mark Ramonde at ESPN.com to clarify that it's three rounds. None of that is relevant to the point that I'm attempting to make, which is quite simply, that's a big match. That's the match that they were willing to go on sale with. That's the match that they were willing for the media to grab and run with. So 155 pounds is on display. Now, I think that we have decided. Now, here's the problem when we decide something, guys. We are 15% of the market. If the industry only had us, us passion, us ones that love, the industry turns the lights out and they're broke. We're 85%, what's known as hardcores. I think that number needs revisited. I think we now represent closer to 20%. However, the point is we're not enough. It does seem to me that we have decided that Benny Darouche needs to get an opportunity to fight for the belt. Problem, right? Now, we've done the right thing. We're showing an integrity to the sport. We're showing an appreciation for the greatness that we have witnessed, for the risks that were put on display for our entertainment. We're doing the right thing. Volkanovski's moved into the weight class. What are you going to (laughs) do? Right? We're stuck. We can't give it to Benny. Okay. But we can do the next best thing. We can put Benny on the same card. And we can put him in a very clear number one contenders match if things go his way. We're going to have to put him against Charles Oliveira. I'm only sharing this for you because there's a lot of moving parts. All of the things that I just said, all of the things that seemed to make sense did not involve a competition and it didn't involve anybody throwing a punch. So if you're one of these purest pricks that has no idea how this business works, but you love to cling to it's the competition, not the words out of your mouth. If you like to say that, I'm telling you that you're going to get your way, but there was no punches thrown. It's going to be done through the power of the pin, and we're going to get Charles, and we're going to get him opposite Benny, and we're going to make it a very clear number one contenders match. That's what we're going to do. Now, we're confronted with something else. Midterms are over. Are you guys following the world around us? Do you follow politics at all? Because I'll tell you, there's a couple of rules there as well that you need to follow. One of the rules is if a candidate ever says, I'm suspending my campaign, I'm pausing my campaign, I'm not pulling out. I'm not saying I don't want to do this. I'm just saying I need a break. If they ever do that, they are done and they will never come back. I could cite for you over the course of my life, but then you would have to go and Google and look up names like Ross Perot that was in the absolute lead and are gone. You cannot pause and then come back, period. So what do you do when you have a Charles Oliveira who the people decided they really like? who has a story that we've decided is very compelling, who has a skill set that took you to the championship of the world. Arguments that you were better than Khabib. What do you do when his response is, I'm taking a break? What do you do? Because you sure as hell don't wait for him. You sure as hell don't say, okay, we'll hold the division up, and then whenever it's convenient for you, that's not a knock on Charles. We did this, just did that to the great John Jones, and before that, we had the greatest George St. Pierre say that he's done. We took him at his word, and we moved on. 
Somewhere in between, Henry Cejudo did the same thing. We took the belt off the sub bitch and we moved on. That is what we do, and we're not wrong to do it. But what does happen if you're Team Charles and you put out to the world, I'm taking a break. A break from what? What is it you're taking a break from? You're only called to work three times a year. What is it you're getting a break from? You need a rest from all of your rest, and I'm not turning on Charles. Charles is a real simple solution. We do the right thing. We match him up with Benny. We give the phone calls. Do you still have that same mindset? If you don't, no problem. We'll pretend it was never said. We'll make the date and we'll move on. But what do you do if your champion says it? Because Aljo said the same thing. I'm taking a break. A break from what? From what? And there's, there is answers to that. These guys are not wrong for saying it. They were being candid and they were sharing with us. It's the weight of the world. Every five seconds, their phone is going off. Somebody's pulling them in different directions. Time out, right? Everybody needs to have a day off. Problem is, if you say it, what happens then? What do we do to a contender like Charles who says, I need a break? And we're going, man, you're barely working as it is. Or what do you say when it's the champion? A little bit of a harder spot. What do you do? I can tell you in the world politics, they don't come back. I can tell you it's a really tough spot when you're out there fighting and you're pining for something. When your client, it's a, what are you stopping from? You don't want to go into the gym. I mean, I do understand that. I used to go to the gym when I was doing daily doubles. Now it's the same drive past the same stuff in the same weather with my same windshield wipers on. Going in, it's the same smell. It's the same hello. It's the same, I mean, in all fairness, I used to love that. I used to look forward to it. I'm going to learn new stuff. And over time, it gets a little bit of redundant. And you can freshen a guy up. You take one of those workouts, you don't do it in the gym. You take one of those workouts, you go do it in the park. You go do it in a different location, in a different gym, in your garage. There's ways to freshen it up. It's tough. Everybody has to deal with it. But do you see the difference? You think all of those politicians that just got elected and that just raised, you think they didn't need days off? Some guys did and some guys did it. They all wanted days off. They all needed a break. They all felt it was too much. Some of them said it and some of them didn't. The ones that said it are out of contentions. The ones that didn't got elected last night. These aren't Chael's rules. I'm making observations and I'm sharing them with you. And as you apply it to our sport, because there's not a punch being thrown. For Charles Oliveira to default into Benny Darush as Darush is on his way up into a number one contender's fight. If you're a true purist and you just want to hold and you can even watch these fights on mute. I mean, if you're that level of stupid, I still have to deal with you, right? Like there's nothing I can do. I still have to deal with you. But there's no punches that are going to be thrown to get that match together and to get Charles one win away from being into a world title fight. It's all going to be done with bureaucracy, the power of the pen, and politics. So do you want the opportunity or don't you? A smart man knows what to say. A wise man knows whether or not to say it. My official prediction, Adesanya versus Pierre. Guys, I'm taking Adesanya. Now, I must tell you, these official predictions are important to me. Some people just want my opinion. I've got a competitive nature where I would like to be right in the first place, but other people are betting money. I mean, they really do. They, they'll bet money and they'll trust that, that old Chael knows. So it's very important to me. And I got to tell you, before I make them, or I'll just use this one specifically, I call and I talk to a lot of other people. Talk to people really on the inside. I've been extremely candid with you guys to tell you I do not have a tremendous frame of reference. Like, there isn't a tremendous bank that I can go to to take a look at striker versus striker. 
This is a very, very rare contest and the best striking contest that we've ever seen. The ones that we've enjoyed the most, the ones that we've revered the stand-up and the punches and the kicks were not striker versus striker. And I bring that, I think it's a very relevant point. Like here, let me ask you a trickier question. Is there a chance that this fight is exciting to watch? Okay, let me make it a little harder. If you knew, if you had a crystal ball and you knew this was going to go into the fifth round, might not get out of there, but you're going to get, you're going to have 20 minutes of it plus. Is there a scenario in your mind where this is a fight of the year candidate? Because listen to what you're talking about, right? We can do that with grappling. We can even do that with mixed martial arts where you're combining your mix and you're getting up and it gets real nasty and dirty. Very difficult to do with pure striking. We don't see a lot of it even in boxing, which is pure striking. We don't see a lot of it. We don't see a lot of this back and forth in tit for tat with the guys that are really skilled. Every now and then you get a couple of good rounds and every now and then you'll get a really good fight. I understand. I'm saying we don't see a lot of it. That would be the minority as opposed to the norm. So let's imagine these two killers out there, right? Two, Two guys that can put people down. Two guys that are dynamic, two guys that have power, two guys that understand range, two guys that traditionally, when they reach out and touch something, that something is not the same, right? In Piera's case, it falls down. In Adesanya's case, it takes a step back. Important that you understand that. Piera does have the power. When he hits you, he will put you down. Traditionally, Adesanya, when you feel his power, you now take a step back. You refuse to engage. Adesanya's opponents very quickly go into what's known as a moral victory. If I can just make it a bunch of minutes, if I can make it a bunch of rounds, if I can make it all the minutes and all the rounds, it's some kind of a victory. Very common to do in sport, but because of that, they take a step back and now Adesanya just can't get to him. They, of course, can't get to Adesanya. You're left out there watching a a game of cat and mouse. But let's take those things and let's just be real fair with one another. If these two get into range and they start trading, do we believe that the other one can hold up I, I realize that there is a belief that Piera has more power than Izzy. And I, I won't disparage that. But we don't make believe that if Izzy hits Piera the way he would like to, that Piera can somehow take that, right? We, we acknowledge if either one of them gets to the target, it is likely a curtain call, right? So do you think that they can really trade and they can really go back and forth and we can hustle and scramble and we can have a lot of good minutes? Do you think there's a way that that's going to be real exciting? Or... Does it turn into a point match right off the bat? Right off the bat, I feel your power. As opposed to falling down or as opposed to stepping back, I'm going to just know my range, touch you, let you not touch me, circle, blame it on you later at the press conference. We've seen, we've seen every scenario that I just suggested for you. So we know that they're all possible. But doesn't that then stop us from having a really good and entertaining 20 plus minutes? It would seem as though the two things can't go together. They would have to be mutually exclusive. And I'm just asking you, in that circumstance, who do you think that it favors? I don't disagree with the power of Pierre. And I'm I'm well aware that in the combat arts, who has more power seems to be a really big deal. Like, that works from the playground all the way to the pros. I do understand that. But I don't think that you would disagree with me that Adesanya is just a little bit more dynamic He's going to have stuff that he can throw. He's got some tools in his box that are a little sharper than Piera's tools of that same degree. And Adesanya's faster. Do you disagree with me? Have we, are we not even, even together on that? 
And I'm so curious of the skills that are going to be used. I don't know where kicking comes in. I'm a believer in kicking. I know you've got to know how to kick to a degree. I also know that when kickboxing came around and boxers came over to it, the boxers cleaned up. They didn't know how to throw any kicks, they cleaned up. And they didn't throw kicks. It was to a point that in the 80s, I believe 83, kickboxing had to invoke a rule that X number of kicks must be thrown in each round. We found that out because the hands were more important and better. And now that we have two skilled guys in there, what are they going to do? Are they going to throw a lot of kicks? I'll be open to it. Like, that wasn't meant to hurt somebody's feelings. And I always got to hear about from these kickboxers. Well, you don't know what it's like to be kicked, and I can kick as hard as a baseball bat. Just please stop with all that, because you can't to start with. But, but please, just please stop. I want to know, now that it's actually going to be tested with two of the greats that really understand this, are they going to throw more hands than they throw kicks? I will be curious. Are they going to lead a combination with a kick? That'll make me curious as well. Not a lot of great fighters can start a combination with a kick. You finish a combination with a kick. That's what the rule book says. John Jones will walk right out and kick you right in the head and break every rule in the book. So, right? So, I mean, it's one of these interesting things. And there's just so much that can be learned from this match. But is there a way that this match could be exciting? Also, we're the ones, and I am as guilty as anyone, but we are the ones that have proclaimed this is going to be two kickboxers in four-ounce gloves under the unified rules. This is going to be a kickbox, a Muay Thai match. They got the elbows, they got the knees, contested for the world mixed martial arts championship. That's not so. I mean, as much as we predict that, that is not what the rule says. If I was to take you back to 48, 72 hours prior to Surreal versus Francis, and those were two of the great and the most intimidating strikers that division or our sport has ever seen. The reason we're focused more on Pierre and Adesanya is they actually had the resumes. They actually had the paperwork. They actually spent the time in the kickboxing ring. But if you want to talk about just pure who can get it done on your feet, I think that's a really good place to start. I think Surreal and Francis is a very fair place to start. And nobody predicted it would go to the ground. But it was the ground where they lived for 15 minutes. And it was also the ground that determined the winner of that contest. We predicted they wouldn't go to the ground just because they're so good on their feet. We didn't know that they had that tool. We didn't know Francis could get on top if he wanted to. We didn't know Francis could stay on top. We didn't know that he could find reversals if he needed to. So we've also got to factor that in. we got to factor the great double cross. And Adesanya doesn't have to take Piera down. He just has to offer the threat. And I, and I, and I really do favor Adesanya on that. If you watch Piera's fights, if you watch his three fights that he did in the octagon, he didn't get to show that great kickboxing skill because he was so worried about the takedown. He had to show respect to it. Now, he's getting more comfortable. I fully acknowledge that. He's getting comfortable very fast. But if you ask me to tell you who that favors, this is a hard thing for Adesanya as well. By the time he gets three fights in, known as Derek Brunson, he had gotten comfortable with it. Time he gets six fights in, he's calling out Olympic and world champions in wrestling, right? I mean, he got comfortable with it. 
So whether Adesanya can take Piera down or not, if he can offer the threat and he can make Piera think that he might try to take him down, that is the only added weapon that he's going to need. That is where the experience does comes in. That's where three times in the octagon isn't quite as valuable as three years on top of a division. We're splitting hairs here. When I speak to people on the inside, they're taking Piera. The fellow fighters, the coaches, the managers, they're taking Piera. I guess in that regard, I'm taking the underdog. But my official pick is Adesanya. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And I want to remind you that I do this every Tuesday and Friday. And coming up this Tuesday, I'm going to have my UFC 281 reaction. And I'll try to make sense of everything that we're going to see on Saturday night. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen. And you are welcome.